Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to listen to a life-changing message from our special guest. Well, my name is David. I am the youth pastor here, and I'm going to continue this series on royalty. Anybody been getting anything good from this series? Man, Pastor Jeremy, the last couple weeks or a few weeks ago, sharing on God being a friend and viewing God just as a friend. It just was such a paradigm shift, really, of God is Lord and King, but when we really understand that God wants us to look at Him even as a friend, it's changed my personal time with Him, my prayer, my worship. Just being able to talk to God in that way has been just such a shift in my relationship with Him. And then even this past week of the power and the pressure from Pastor Christy, what a powerful message. Anybody here last week? Man, that was so good, right? We all want to have power in our life, but we can't have or walk in that power until we've gone through some situations and some circumstances that you feel a little bit pressured. And so, man, those were were such good messages. This whole series, just understanding our royalty of who Jesus is and walking in that has been so amazing. I'm going to continue the series today. I'm going to open up with Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. It said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, look to your neighbor and say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we see two things in this verse. Number one, all authority first comes from Jesus. I know we we think of, well, what about this authority? What about, there's even another verse in the Bible that says all even our authority here on earth first comes from God. And I know we may want to argue that of you couldn't tell me this person came. I'm just saying what the Bible says, that all authority first comes from Father God. And the second thing I notice is that God has authority in heaven and on earth. I know it's easy to believe that he has authority in heaven, but sometimes if we could be honest, it just doesn't feel like his authority is very present in our circumstances or our situations. But God has, number one, all authority today it comes from him. And number two, not only does he have authority in heaven but authority in earth. He has authority in our situations. He has authority in our life. And if it doesn't seem like it, I think today the thought that we're going to break down is maybe just we're not walking in that authority. Maybe we're not really walking in our God-given authority that he has for us. Who has the, anybody like reading books? I'm learning. I'm trying. I like reading the Bible, but outside of that, I'm just, I'm trying. I need a good book. Who, who writes, who, who has the, really, who has the say in writing a book? Is there a whole room of people or there's kind of one person, right? What do we know those people as? The author. I couldn't help but notice in this word authority, the first part of that is author. It says in, in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Today, Jesus doesn't want to just start your story. I know it starts nice. A lot of books start nice. A lot of movies start nice, but Jesus wants to finish something in your life. He's not just a starter of anything. Anybody today would admit, I'm a good starter, but I'm just getting better at learning how to be a good finisher. If we could be honest, like we start a lot of things. I mentioned this last service, but I meet people who are entrepreneurs, and then the next month they're influencers, and the next month they watch Shark Tank again, so they're an entrepreneur again, and they got idea after idea. I'm generally that guy who has like all the Shark Tank ideas, and I, they're never really good. I've had like two that are good. I'm looking for investors. No, I'm just kidding. But often as people nowadays, especially in L.A., right, everyone you talk to, just grinding, bro, just hustle, bro. Just the, and it's like we have this kind of ability where we love starting things, starting businesses, starting ideas, starting a new job, leaving that job, starting. And, and we almost think God's the same way in our life. Like, yeah, he was good at starting something, but he's not going to finish it because look where I'm at now. I know what he promised me, but 
Obviously, he forgot about me when in reality, he didn't forget about you. He has a plan that's going to finish the story that he started with your life, even though it may not make sense. He is the author and the finisher. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I talked to a guy recently, or just the other day, a guy came into my work, and I was like, oh, what do you do for work? And he's like, I'm an influencer. And, and it was, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm like, oh, what do you, how do you, when, like, it's, you know, what do you, uh, is it like a brand or companies? Like, I'm just like an influencer, like Instagram. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, trying to kind of feel it out. And then I get his Instagram. And he's influencing like 200 people, which is cool. I'm not hating on that, but. I feel like we're in a day and age where everyone wants to be an influence. Everyone wants to have an impact. Everyone, I wouldn't meet anybody that's like, yeah, I just want to come and go and nobody. I think we all have it within our DNA. Even the Bible is so clear that we're supposed to be set apart as Christians. We're supposed to be a light in dark place. It's not a bad thing to want to have influence. But if our influence doesn't have the authority of Jesus, who are we leading people to? I'm not against influence. It may seem like it for me mentioning that. I think we all have that desire for people to be around us, but what are we influencing people to? Not just where are we going, but who are we leading them to? And if that influence is just found in and of ourselves, and we don't have authority that we submit to, then we're in a place where we point people to us, and what can we really offer without Jesus? I want to give a few practical points today of how do we walk in this authority. So many of these powerful messages on royalty will really do nothing for us if we don't begin to change our perspective and stop acting like peasants in the kingdom of God. Stop acting like we're not sons. We have to understand that we have a kingdom that we're a part of. And to walk in that royalty, I believe we have to walk in the God-given authority in our life. You guys ready to jump into this? I've titled my message, Royalty, Giving God the Pin Back. Giving God the Pin Back. The first thing I noticed about authority is we can't have authority until we come under authority. It's as simple as that. And I know step one, I just wanted to start with that because I think for a lot of people, influence sounds nice, authority sounds nice, a position of maybe having people who are looking up to us sounds awesome. But then this one of to have authority, we have to come under authority. All of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't, I don't get with that. In our day and age, if I want to make my own schedule, I don't want to have a boss. I want to wake up when I want. I don't want to have to report to anyone. Like, I, I mean, more and more people I meet are just wanting these environments where they don't have to have somebody that has, has an ability to say something in their life. And I think as a millennial, I think we see more and more of this. So then when we come into the kingdom, we're saying, I want that authority that God has for me. We have to be willing to and understand that we have to submit to the authority in our life in the church and outside the church. So let's think about this for a second. We have to submit to the authority of our pastors, the leaders in this church. But beyond just that, I think for a lot of us, hopefully all of us, we can do that pretty easily. But what about outside of this house? what about in our work, in our home? What does it look like then? You're saying, oh, you don't know my boss. You don't know my mom. You don't know my sister. You, you just don't know my circumstance. And honestly, I don't. But I actually really do believe that when you begin to submit to authority in your life, whether you agree or not, whether it makes sense or doesn't, you begin to walk in this authority and this power that God has given you. A perfect story is the story of David. Anybody know the story of David and Goliath? There's more to it. And I, I love reading the story of David because it's so complex. But there was a guy named Saul. You guys know about this guy? He tried to kill David a couple times. Literally, it'll be like David was in the pasture. Next chapter, Saul tries to kill David. Tries to spear him. Two chapters later, Saul tries to kill him again. He wasn't very good, apparently, because like multiple attempts and he never killed him. 
David has a moment in this cave. He's with what they would call his mighty men. He's in this cave, and Saul goes in to relieve himself. That's what the Bible says. And David and them are just behind him, like, probably awkward, I would imagine. And his men are like, this is your moment. God has given him into your hands to take his life. David goes up and cuts off a corner of his robe. And he cuts off a corner of his robe just to show Saul. Saul would turn around and you would show him, look, I'm not ever going to touch God's anointed, even though he's tried to kill him multiple times. You say, why are you saying this story? Because I think a lot of us in this room may leave saying, yeah, but you don't know what's happened in my family with law enforcement. You don't know what's happened in my story with these authorities. It makes sense to submit to authority, but not when they're wrong. Well, even biblically, we would know David as King David, a man of influence, a man of great power, a great authority. It didn't just come because God loved him the most. It came because he was willing to submit to authorities in his life. Church, today we have to understand to have great authority and great power, we have to submit to great authority and power, not just in the church, but outside the church. How are you doing with your boss? How are you doing with your mom? How are you doing with your coworker that you don't really like, but they do have a position of authority? Can you honor them the same way you would honor your pastor, the same way you would honor a friend that you like? And I believe when you begin to honor in those situations where it's not as fun, God can entrust you with more authority in your life. The second thing I notice is we have to trust that God knows what's best for us. My wife is amazing. She's right up here. She's so good at everything. She's way better at pretty much everything than me. I say all that to say this. There is one thing that she's still learning, the only thing, and she can often misplace things. Anybody misplace things? Any guys? Thank you. I appreciate that, bro. It's always just the girls. And she'll she'll lose she lost like a gift card and I'm like hey where's that gift card I gave it to you and she'll share these stories with me these responses that are so confident and these long lofty stories of what happened that even though I go in so confident and knowing what happened the stories are so in-depth I'm like she that has to be true so I'm like I gave you the card and she's like no you didn't we were at the restaurant you were talking about this you hand I handed it back to you and you said thank you you took it you put it in your wallet then you started eating again you took a sip of your drink And I don't think she's lying like I'm going to make up a lie. I think she really believes it to the point where I really believe it. And I go in like I know I gave you the card. And then after she says that, I'm like, I have to be wrong. Like there's no way she just made up this whole thing. And then, of course, I I go down to the car and look. I don't tell her that. I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk. I've never just gone for a walk. And I go and look in the car and I find it. And I had to spend like five minutes down there just like, don't rub it in. Don't show off. Like I had to just allow my flesh to die in that moment. And I went upstairs and just kind of showed her in and, and her face, you know? She's like, she doesn't want to, like, say anything, you know, because it's tough. And then she just goes, you put it back in there, didn't you? You had it, and you put it back in there. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I did. I went all the way down to the car. No. You say, why you say, I think a lot of us really talk to God in a sense like, God, I really know what's best for me. And he's saying, well, what about this time where You were so confident, and I wish you would have just listened to, no, I know that time you knew what was best for me, and I know this other time you knew what was best for me. I know two years ago, you had my best intention in mind when you took that job from me. I know six years ago, taking that relationship from me was best, but I promise you this time, I really know better than you, God. And saying it out loud is the most ridiculous sounding thing, but sometimes our actions really almost in a way say, God, I know what's best for me. Today, we have to number one come under the authority to have authority. And number two, we have to say, God, I trust that you know what's best for me. When it feels like it, when it doesn't, he takes away a job. Trust him in it. 
He takes away your finances for a moment. Trust him in it. He allows you to go through sickness. I know it doesn't make sense, but do you trust that God has your best intentions in mind when it feels like it and when it doesn't? We have to trust him in the process. Too many of us take the pen back of God writing the story. He's writing it and we like it. It's nice, right? Books always start out nice. And the love story and then all of a sudden sickness comes in and you're like, I don't, this story's not that good anymore. And then financial lack and you're like, let me just get the pen. You try to, and we, we try to take the pen back in moments of stretching and painful seasons and tough seasons and seasons of lack and seasons of sickness. But the problem with this is that we take the pen in the moment that God was just a pivotal moment where he was going to turn around the story. We try to take the pen because we know what's best. And we stop tithing when we lose our job. And we stop going to church when our mom gets sick. And we stop praying when we never get to see the breakthrough that God had for us. One of the most common questions on the high school is when we go. Kids will come every week. Thank you for the pizza, bro. I love the message. This was funny, whatever. And then I've heard it at least five times over the last couple years. They'll always say, I love what you're saying about God's like a father. That's so cool. And he loves me. And, and they get all of that. At least they're trying to. But they'll, they'll always say, I'm having a really hard time with this thought. Like if God really loves me so much, then why did he allow this to happen? If God is such a good father, then why did my mom leave? Why did my dad reject me? Why was I abused? And they can't fathom this thought that if God is all of these things, why do bad things happen to good people? And I know it's a thought that we've heard, and I used to struggle with it because I had to have the answers, right? Just a little side note, you don't always have to have all the answers. It's, it's okay to admit, I don't know. I know that's hard for us as Christians at times because we've got to have it all down. We've got to always be good. But for a long time, I would give them all the answers I knew. Well, God, wasn't, he was with you, and if you were crying, he was crying, and the Bible says he's never left or forsaken us, and not one time were they encouraged. They'd be like, all right, so you don't really know, right? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know why that's happened. And, and recently, a student asked me a similar question, and I looked at him, and I did not know what to say. He was going through something that I can't even fathom how he was feeling, stories that just would blow your mind. And I looked at him, and I said, I don't know. And he was like, like, really, I came to you. You should know. You're supposed to know. And I said, honestly, I don't know. But I said, if you quit now in the process, you'll never know why. I said, if, if, if you stop believing in God, if you begin to step out of the little things, if, if you stop going to church when it doesn't make sense, if you say, I tried the whole God thing, I gave once, and it doesn't happen instantly, if we pull out in those moments, we'll never know why God allowed things to happen the way that they did. We'll never know why we went through such painful seasons. God's saying, will you trust me in the process? Will you trust me in the beginning, in the middle, and the end? Because I know we have a vision of what God promised. But what about the middle when it doesn't make sense? What about the middle when we're struggling with sickness? What about the process that he didn't explain from the start? He didn't write from the get-go. Just so you know, this is, no, no, it hits us like a ton of bricks. I'm going through this, and I feel like I can't hear God. Don't give up. My mom's sick. I came and prayed. You guys laid hands on me that had to do it. She's still sick. Don't keep, stop praying. I lost my job and I've been giving. Don't stop giving. I know it doesn't make sense because that's what we do as humans. I tried that out. If it didn't work, you stop trying, right? It kind of, in just our human way of thinking, it makes sense. I know it's contrary to what we believe, but kingdom principle says, look, don't stop believing. Don't stop giving. Don't stop stepping out in faith. I know it's hard and I know it's hardest when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but God says, do you trust me? We have to trust that God really knows what's best for us. 
Just as even that, that, that story of Sarah saying, I, I knew it was in there. In that moment, she said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And, and now we can move forward in moments where I can help her, even with something so small. How do we look to God and say, God, I trust you. And I know you've proven me wrong before, but I'm not going to try this kind of like, give me another shot. Just, God, I place all of my ability in your hands, and I want you to lead my life. I want to give you the pin back today. Today, it's all about giving God the pin back to our story. The third thing I notice is we have to be thankful for the process. Anybody like working out? This is much better. First service, it was like our three staff, and everyone else was like, like looking down, like shamed. It wasn't, I wasn't going like to have them do work. Everyone's like, it was like that or like me. Some of our staff does the workouts. I'm sure you, I'm sure you see PJ post them up. He always calls me a cheater. I don't cheat. I'm just saying that because I can. But anyways, <laughs> they're not fun. Like, I'm just going to say it straight up. Like, I mean, I, I know Rich would argue that. He does it a lot. I will say when you, the more you do it, they do become enjoyable. But there's moments where you're working out. I did a workout at Rich's gym, which is a different gym, and I didn't realize we were kind of doing some stuff a little easier, right? I went in like CrossFit guy, you add weights, and then you see others add more weights, so you add more weights, just a part of it. Everyone's like got this casual walk around when you see like, or you walk up to the thing, like grab whatever you think's good, and nobody grabs anything up front, because they're just waiting on someone to be the guy who like sets the tone, and it's super light, and you're like, you grab like double it, and then you regret it later. And then we start the workout, it has a 24-minute time cap. I realize that doesn't sound long. It literally felt like three years. I'm not exaggerating. I think it was. Two minutes in, I'm like gassed. I'm burnt. I'm like, I have nothing else in me. Two minutes into 24 minutes. And there's people next to me that honestly didn't look like they were in shape, killing it. And I'm just like, (sighs) I'm like, I can't breathe. Rich is normally really encouraging, like, you got this. He said like a little bit. But most of the time I looked at him, he was concerned for me. Like, I would look at him and think he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he would just be like, you know, and I'm like, dude, I'm dying. And my sister was there, and she was like, come on, David, like making fun of me. And I'm like, D, you need to stop. Like, I'm not joking. She kept hitting me with the pole just because. But it was not fun. It, it really wasn't. Like, I, I was like, I can leave. You ever thought that in a workout? Like, this isn't a prison. You start to get real, like, encouraged, like, I'm going to walk out. Like, I don't have to be here. Like, it hit me in a moment. Like, I'm doing this to myself. I, this, is, I don't, this isn't fun. And I, I, was, I kept thinking, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. Instead, you just take off weight to the point where you're doing nothing, but just, like, throwing your hands up with no bar. And it wasn't fun. There was a lot of pain to the point where, obviously, in those types of workouts, you're going to be sore. Anybody ever done leg day? I didn't know it was, like, as much of a real thing as it is. But, like, I'm talking, like, when you can't squat down to go to the bathroom, so you get here and you just fall. Like that bad? So we understand, look, at the end of every single workout, I say all that to say this, at the end of every single workout, you know what I do? I walk up to the person coaching us, and I say, thank you, coach, and that's it, and I leave. Not one time have I walked up to Rich or Devon and said, why did you put me through that? Like, why did you actually have me do that? This was painful. This was stretching. This was just straight up annoying. I don't want to do this. It was way too, no, no. Thank you, coach. Why? Because in a physical sense, I understand that they're trying to help me. In a physical sense, they're making me stronger. They're making me better. They're getting me in shape. So we get it in that context. But the second we go through anything, God has left me. God's not for me. No, God is with me, but he trusts me. Because if he's testing you, he's trusting you. And he's allowing you to go through something to be transformed. So not just a matter of being okay with the process. I didn't write that down. We have to become thankful for the process. 
I put an Instagram up the other day, and I spent like 20 minutes on the caption. I finally got, be thankful for the process, because you'll always be in one. Not in a negative sense, but most times in my life, when I get there, whatever there is, then I'm like, oh, well, then there's there. Like, you're just kind of always in some sort of process. So how do we not just become bearable? Like, I might be able to make it through what, no, no, I'm beginning to just look at whatever I'm walking through, the good times, the bad times, the easy times, the hard times, the seasons of blessing, the seasons of lack, and saying in all of it, God, I thank you for the story that you're writing in my life. I thank you for what you're doing. And I let you have the pen, because when I begin to take hold of that pen, The destiny that I write gets me to places I never wanted to be. We have to begin to control our thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks, so he is. I really believe we surrender our God-given authority when we allow thoughts to come in and attack our faith. There's two types of thoughts from what I've experienced. Thoughts that build your faith or attack your faith. There is not really a lot of neutral thoughts. A thought comes in, you're probably going to be good with money. No. You're either going to be broke and not have a home, or you're going to like, I'm stepping out in faith. God got me season of blessing. thought doesn't come in like, your health will probably be decent. No, I'm either going to die of a disease or like God's got me. Like it's just, they're extreme opposites. A thought is either building our faith or attacking our faith. The Word of God says we have to take our thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When I think of this word captive, I think of a prisoner. I think of a war movie. What's that one? Behind Enemy Lines? Right? Just me and Sarah like that one? Cool. That's a good movie. It was just her. She was like, yes. And everyone else is like, nope. <laughs> well, any war movie, just get in that headspace for a second. When they take a prisoner captive... What, what do they do? I picture guards walking around 24-7. I picture them chained from the wrists, from the feet. I picture the guards having guns. I mean, every possible thing that they can possibly do to captivate this, this soldier and keep him in his position. And the Bible tells us in the same context to take every thought captive. Now, let's change this up for a second. I think sometimes us taking a thought captive looks like this. The thought comes in, and this is us taking it captive. Like, just don't think about it. We just think that. Has anybody in this room ever had the thought, don't think about it, and it helped? I mean, not me. The second I'm like, don't think about it, I think about it like three times as much. And I just think about it more. I think about it worse. And I just dwell on that thought. The Bible tells us to take it captive. You can imagine if they got a prisoner and were just like, don't move, and he's not chained, and there's no walls. Do not, I'm telling you, it's like a, like a military like seal or something. Don't move, don't, we're telling you, this is, this is captivity. He would just, it would be laughable. But in the same context, I think this is how we often take this verse and, and water it down to taking a thought captive is like, I'm just trying not to think those negative things. I mean, to me, if we're going to take it captive and make it obedient to Christ, I actually have to physically say something out loud. Like, I'm, I could seem kind of crazy. I encourage you today, as crazy as it sounds, you got to just talk to yourself. I know we are often like, yeah, that person talks to himself, but what if we can change the mentality on that, saying, man, I got to talk to myself. I got to speak life into my situations. I got to speak health where there is sickness. I got to speak blessing where there is lack. I know it sounds crazy, like, no, I mean, it doesn't literally mean that. The Bible's pretty literal. I could be fairly sarcastic, and it's something I got to watch. So when I read the Bible, I have to understand this is so lit. Like, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So there's two things we have to do every time we get a thought. We take it captive. 
When a thought comes in for me, you're not going to have enough. You're going to have lack financially. Okay, I have to take it captive and speak out the truth. God called me to this city. He's not going to leave me without. If he takes care of the birds of the air and the grass of the field, a bird, he's like, I got that bird. You think he's going to look at a son or a daughter and say, yeah, my bad, I forgot about you. No, he's going to take care of us, so I have to take it captive. You're going to get sick. I have to take it captive and say, that's not true. God has promised me this. And I know you're saying, man, you're really staying on this because I think our thought process is something that can either propel us into what God has for us or keeps us the same. I think the biggest reason for that is people can't control your thoughts. When it comes to taking your thoughts captive, that's a solo person job. Only you and the power of Jesus can do that. When it comes to outward expression and you do something you shouldn't have, people are going to notice that and say, hey, uh, David, I noticed you did this. Maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. But when it comes to our thought process, we can be one person while thinking something else, but eventually our thoughts will come out. You ever been around someone, they say something that just shocks you, and then you're like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Around someone, like, someone like cuts them off, and they say words, and I'm like, that's been a long time since I've heard that, and, I'm, and then they're like, sorry, and you're like, it's okay. And it's just so awkward. I wish we could say, oh, it's just random, but no, no, it's in there. I mean, it's somewhere in there, even if it's deep down in there, so to... To, to really cleanse our mind, which, how does that tie in? To, to really walk in this authority that God has given us, to walk into this royalty way of thinking, understanding that we have a seat at the table. We have to continue every single day, maybe 10 times a day, 100 times a day, to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. When we take hold of our authority, we set others free. Anybody live in an apartment here? Anybody not? Whoa, homes. You guys ever been to a home in L.A.? You park. It's crazy. You walk in. I remember we'd go to uh, Andy's homes. Andy here? I think I saw you. And we would, like, pull up, and there's parking everywhere. And I'm just like, dude, you could park a limo. And he's like, yeah. It's, like, not that impressive. I live in downtown. So, like, if you find a parking spot that's free, I mean, like, that's God opened up heaven that day. And we'll get to his house, and it's just so nice, you know, like just walking in, you can park, your car's right out front. I'm used to the situation of like you need a fob to get into the elevator, then you need a fob to get into like the second room, and then you need a different fob. You're like a janitor just trying to get home. And there was one time we went to uh, hang out in the swim, or not one time, this happens pretty frequently, and it'll be big groups, and we'll just wait by the elevator, just those people. And then the guy that lives there is awkwardly just like, <laughs> doesn't really know what to say, and... He's like, you guys okay? Yeah, we're waiting on a friend. He, he's going to come down. He has the key. And then once that friend gets there, he's able to, just with a key fob, whatever it may look like, open up the door for us to get into his home or the pool or whatever we're doing. And I believe today strongly that when you walk through certain things in your life, you're given a key. I believe there's special authority for different things. Maybe you're saying, man, I faced that wall of depression, but God gave me the authority in this key of joy this key of peace. I've faced that wall of anxiety. Look, I was, I was there for 10 years of my life. God set me free, and now you have a key not just for yourself but for others. I think there's people in this room standing at the wall saying, man, I want to move home. This isn't for me. Man, I don't know what God has next for me. And there's people in this room that until we take hold of our authority saying, look, I've been there, and God gave me access, not just so I could walk in, but that you could be set free. When you take hold of your authority today, you have to understand that not only are you going to be set free, but you're going to set others free in your life. 
Another time we got there and there was a bunch of us and we waited like 30 minutes. I really don't remember why. I think we were waiting on someone to get back from something. It's like 10 of us just hanging out. And after like 30 minutes, one of the guys is just like, dude, I have a key. And you're like happy, but also a little annoyed. Like, really? This whole time you didn't even think like, do I have a key? You, he lived there. And I was like, wouldn't you think like that'd be the first thing? Like, I live here. Let me see. Oh, I got it. But it took a while. We quickly got over that because we got inside. But I think it's funny. I think there may even be people in this room that maybe have walked through things and God has given them a key for something, but maybe we haven't even started to activate the breakthrough that God has given to us for ourselves. For our, you, you may have breakthrough that God wants to give to your family. You're praying for your family every single day. Maybe it's just a conversation saying, God got me through it. I've been through that. I've been through divorce. I've been through sickness and God got me through. You ever talk to someone and been encouraged? It's often our story that'll set people free, not because of us, but because of what Jesus did in us. It may be a verse, it may be a message, but it may just be you saying, hey, I actually, I was really anxious. I was really fearful. I was suicidal. And here I am today. And someone could look at your life and say, man, I'm suicidal now and and see a joy in you that they've never experienced and give them hope to go on, give them hope to say yes to Jesus. Today, we have to understand as we walk in that authority, not only will we walk in freedom, but so will others. Psalm 115, 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Today, I want us to really understand this thought. Look, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. When I read that, I'm like, it's kind of interesting. I thought he ruled on heaven, earth, under earth. I thought he had authority, and we're kind of just here, like just to worship him. But it says pretty clearly here that The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth is given to mankind. I want to tell you today that we are called and destined to walk in our authority to set others free. I know we pray for a lot of things, and we say, God, if you would just, and God, we're praying for this, we're believing for this, but you know the the biggest way that God moves on earth in our current age is through us. You, You know so many of the revivals that we still talk about from years ago in the stories were of course what God did, but you know how he did it? Through a man, through a woman, through a broken person that was becoming whole. Today we have to step into this authority that God has given us so that others can be set free. Maybe today you're holding on to a key fob and you don't even realize that God's given you access to walk away from that depression, but you're just still standing where you're at and you have keys all around you, but you're still saying, man, if God would just do it, he's already done it, but there's an action we have to take to walk into what God has for us and walk away from the things of the past, the things of yesterday. There's someone in this room, maybe a lot of us, that need the access that you have. I think for me, my, my decisions are strengthened when I understand that other people are on the line. You ever feel like it's the enemy, what he does is he comes in for anything. Sin, not going to church, whatever. Whatever, whatever it is for you that he's been attacking you in. And you know what he tells you? It's just you. If you sin, it's just you. So then you're like, it's not that big of a deal, huh? One day, one per- it's just me. I mean, me, myself. It's not just you. If I can clarify anything for you today, you represent hundreds, thousands. You represent your family, your kids someday. You... It's not just you. Your decisions have a lot heavier of a weight when you understand, man, I'm not making decisions just for myself and my wife. I'm making decisions for someday. I'm making decisions for my friends, for my mom, making decisions that I could be a place of hope. What does that verse say? We're meant to be a light in dark places. 
We're meant to come in and shine up a room. We're supposed to be influencers, but if we're just influencing off of an Instagram ad and not influencing toward Jesus, I'm not putting down a hustle. I'm not putting down being an entrepreneur. I think it's awesome, but I think a lot of times we can begin to just reflect people to us and what do we have to offer without Jesus? What do I have to offer without the grace of Jesus in my life? Nothing. I'm not up here because I'm awesome. I'm not, people are like, hey, great job. I'm like, dude, it's, it's honestly amazing pastors who have believed in me and an amazing God who set me free. That's it. That's all it is. Sharing a message of just what I'm learning, just what I'm walking through. Today, what is our response going to be at the wall that we're facing? I thought almost of, of prescriptions. I have these two prescriptions here. I think we have two responses anytime we face difficult seasons in life. Maybe you're facing sickness. Maybe you're facing just emotional anxiety, depression, worry, fear. Fear of failure, fear of the future. Whatever you're facing today, we have two decisions. Number one is to trust God. When you take this pill, you have instant peace. Sounds nice. You'll have fulfilled joy, lasting joy. Who in here is saying I could use some lasting joy? Not like a moment of like, yo, it was a good day, but like a lifetime. When you give God control and you let go of your control, you'll feel no fear. You'll feel no worry. You'll have no anxiety. This all sounds pretty amazing, right? Temporary side effects is you have to surrender control. I don't know about that. You have to give God full authority in your life. I don't love that at all times. It may take longer than you planned for. It may not be the route that you imagine you'd have to take to get there, because we're all talking about there, but we don't know God's plan and how he's going to get us from here to there. So the instant things that happen when we begin to trust God are, of course, worth it, but the side effects of giving God control may be a little scary for us. And the other option, if we don't trust God, is to take over. When you take this pill, you have instant satisfaction of feeling in control. It's kind of nice for a moment when you feel like I got this, right? You have instant satisfaction of feeling like you got this. It literally says that. Interesting. Side effects, getting to places you never thought you'd be. Side effects, never finding out the destiny God had for you. Side effects, never being able to walk in the blessings that God had for you. Side effects, doubting why God allowed you to go through things that you went through. So the only good thing with this that we would say is good, but even then isn't good, is that for a moment we feel like we're in control. And we micromanage God as he's writing our story. We're watching it like, okay, blessings, that's nice. Getting married, I've been believing for that. Thank you, God. I'm liking this story. And then all of a sudden, and then moments of sickness, and you're like, don't love that, but I'll see what you're doing. Parents get a divorce. Yeah, okay, you know what, God? I'm going to use the pen real quick. And God doesn't fight for the pen. I, I, I would think that he would be like, no, it would be this, this raging war of me trying to pull the pen to write my destiny. And God like, no. But I feel like God's like, cool, here you go. Write your story. And every single time I take that pen from God, I try to force my own blessing. I try to figure out what's best. And, and then I never see the purpose why I walk through the pain. I can't tell... A high school, I can't even tell you today, oh, you walked through that for this. To be honest, I may not know, but if you quit now, you'll never know why this happened the way that it did. And I know we start comparing, saying they didn't go through it, but they're just at a different place. Imagine graduating college. You get an SAT right before you graduate, whatever the tests are called, and you look at a preschool saying it's not fair that they're not taking this. 
You look at a third grader. Do you even know this stuff? I bet you don't. He's doing it because he's mad at me. No, no, no. You, of course, understand. Oh, they're just not ready for it. If you've been going through a season of testing, it's not that God's mad at you. It's that God trusts you and he wants to see you graduate to what's next. He wants to see you walk away from the past and into the future that he has for you. Today, what is our response? Because you can only take one. When you take both, neither of them work. You don't experience the blessings God has for you and you, you don't get that momentary satisfaction. Are, are, we, gonna, are we just going to take over and micromanage God because he doesn't know what he's doing? When obviously he does, the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth, you don't think he, he knows what he's doing with your job? I have to challenge myself this when I'm like, dude, I don't know if God knows. And I'm like, I, have to, I literally look up to the sky and I see the stars. That, that same creator, the author and the finisher is confused what to do with my living situation. He's up in heaven. Like, I mean, I know I did heaven and earth and the animals and all that, but his apartment, like I'm, I'm really lost guys. You think God's up in heaven just like, I don't know what to do. I know you lost your job. I was doing this. I forgot. No, no, no. He doesn't forget about anyone. He doesn't, he's not confused. He's not lost. He's the author and the finisher. Why does the middle look as crazy as it does? I've found one reason. How entertaining. Or what story, I'll say, what story would the movie of Titanic told if they didn't hit the iceberg and they just rode for two hours? Just watching people on a boat for two hours? Think about any great movie. It's great in that ending point where you feel encouraged. You feel like I can do it. Whatever it is probably starts not at the end, but it starts when they hit a low point. It starts when they're going through something and you can relate to that. And when you see God use someone, you're saying, man, if God could use them, maybe he could use me. Our life is meant to tell a story of hope to a broken world. Our life is meant to tell a story of life to a world that doesn't know life. I have to be expectant and ready and even appreciative of the process saying, God, I trust you with everything. I trust you when it makes sense and when it doesn't. I trust you when it's easy, when it's hard. This last year, without going into much detail, I, I quit a job, different things, and I just said, God, I trust you with everything. And on my own, I, I experienced sickness and depression and worry and stuff that all you, I'm sure, have experienced at times. And I took the pen back into my hand. I didn't even have bad intentions. I just wanted what was best for me, for my wife. And so if God's not doing it, I'm going to figure it out. Anybody ever thought that? If God's not doing it, I'm just kind of, I mean, I know it's not one that we're like, that's me. But I think we can feel that a lot because his timing it can seem slow. His timing can seem off. Like I'm trying to get there, especially in a city like L.A. where everyone 24-7, how are you? I'm grinding. It just instills this mentality like I got to go. I got to get there. And God's plan is very counter opposite to that where he's saying don't worry I'm going to get you to the promises that I have for you but the process may not look like it just so that he can test our faith in him today where is our faith church are we placing it in ourselves and the second I let go of that control God has done so many miraculous things in my life blessings that can be seen from the outside but greater than all of that blessings on the inside joy and life and hope and peace things that that can't be bought, things that can't be found in a job, things that, that won't be given to you from a relationship, a friendship. You see, what you're needing today can only be found in Jesus. And the authority that he wants to give you can only be walked in when we say, God, I submit to your authority. I submit to my boss. I submit to my pastor, and I just trust you in the process. Nothing speaks louder to me than just saying, God, I trust you in the process. Thank you for listening. 
If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.